Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the BC Buckets podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University basketball. We're joining you here once again from the coaches' offices in the Newman Flanagan Center. And here at the table, we've got head coach Mark Svigar and Bobby Beach. Uh, coach, what's up? Hey, just good to be back. You know, it's always always good to come in on a Sunday after a Saturday win and uh, have a couple distinguished guests with us today. That's right. And uh, that kind of leads us right into uh, who else we have sitting at the table here. And we've got two, actually two guests joining us in studio. And they brought some food, which has become a little bit of a tradition and expectation for guests of the podcast. Uh, but we've got two 2018 Briarcliff University alumni and former players of the program, Josh Belling and Dylan Janicek. Guys, how you doing? Pretty good. And I'd like to state that I would easily pass Betz's math class 100 percent you know no doubt no doubt it's a pleasure to be here i'm glad to be on the podcast avid listener avid question asker yeah that's right we talked i think uh, we answered one of yours last week or the week before and uh i think you have two or three in on the year and going back to josh your comment about jared betts's comment about you guys passing his math test i mean when you heard that comment from him when you were listening what was your immediate reaction was it sadness disappointment betrayal anger 100% betrayal. I mean, we sat the bench and we're part of the Granite squad together for a couple of years and it just hurt my feelings. And Dylan, did you feel happiness, pride, validation? What did you feel when you heard that uh, he had no doubt that you would successfully pass his class? Well, considering I was a math major in college, um, I, I'm guessing I could make a better test than Betts. Um, I, I guess I could one-up him in some regard in that manner. But, um, yeah, I, I, I was proud of myself and proud of Betts for uh, listing me as that. All right, and we'll talk to you guys in a minute here uh, about what you've been up to and, and other things. But, uh, as usual, we got to talk about what's been going on with the program this last week. And, Coach, like we talked about last week, you guys had a, a week with no Wednesday game, and then you had a game on Saturday against Stone. And I don't think anyone could probably describe that game as a pretty game. Uh, but – you won 66 to 62 and i suppose that's all that matters and it was a day full of milestones obviously we celebrated 50 years of the women's program but this was your thousandth program win and jackson lamb also hit his thousandth point so even though it wasn't a pretty game to watch uh, certainly hit some milestones yeah we did and you know it's always an interesting week this time of year when you don't have a wednesday game it, it kind of takes you out of your normal routine you know, this time of year, guys kind of get set into a routine. We're going to play on Wednesday. We're going to play on Saturday. We're going to do this in practice on Monday, Tuesday, et cetera. And uh, under the circumstances, I think it was actually a good thing for us. Um, gave us a day to give the guys an extra day off, which I think we needed right now. And, uh, you know, talking about the game, finally got to that on Saturday. It certainly wasn't pretty, as you said. Um, very low field goal percentages for both teams. You know, I, I think defensively we did a really good job of, of making things difficult for Doan. You know, they run the triangle offense. It's given us some problems over the past year or so. And uh, guys really did a good job executing what we needed to execute, finishing possessions with rebounds. And, uh, you know, that, that won the game for us. Offensively, we really struggled. You know, I think we went six for 30 from three, which is obviously out of character for us. Uh, we didn't shoot well at all from the field. Didn't really shoot that well from the free throw line, which again is out of character for us. And uh, you got to give Doan some credit. They kept fighting. I thought we were about ready to put it away with a couple minutes left up 12. And we made a couple of mistakes. They capitalized. And all of a sudden it got real dicey there. But, uh, you know, guys, again, they executed down the stretch. When uh, when Doan was pressing us late, we executed, made made a couple free throws when we really needed to. And, you know, Jaden Klein-Hesslink made two 
right at the end to, to put it out of reach and, and get the win. And, you know, Matt, you talked about the milestones and, yeah, 1,000 wins in program history. And if you really think about that, it's, it's really, really impressive. You know, this is only the 53rd year of basketball at Briarcliff. I think there's a lot of other schools that have had basketball for longer that have not reached that milestone. And that's a credit to really everybody who's ever been involved in the program, be it coaches, players, managers, you name it. It's a credit to everybody who built this, have helped build it, sustained it. Um, and I think it's a credit to Briar Cliff too and the, the, the passion that the school has for basketball and the, the support we get from the school, um, from the administration, from the students. It's just an awesome deal, and, and I'm certainly glad that we, that we got it done yesterday. We got it done at home on alumni weekend, which I thought was kind of cool. You know, and now we, now we move on and, and start on the next 1,000, I suppose. You know, and then you talked about Jackson Lamb, 1,000 um, points. That's, that's an incredible milestone. You know, I think he's the 47th or 48th person to do that at Briarcliff. And to do it as a junior, you know, it means a couple things. It means you were pretty good as a freshman. Um, and it means you've played a lot and, and scored a lot of points. And, and Jackson's obviously done that. He, he has a knack to score the ball. He's a great shooter. Um, and I think this year he's expanded his game a little bit. Um, he's become a better rebounder. He's our second-leading rebounder. But uh, he, he joined some pretty dang good company yesterday by joining that 1,000-point club. And then the other milestone, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know this, yesterday was the 100th win for the class of 2019. You know, and they, they're now the fourth class in school history that – has 100 wins and that's really impressive I'm talking at minimum they're going to average 25 wins a year over their career and again people play college basketball there's not a lot of people that can say they won 100 games and uh you know so credit to those guys for their work um they've been on some outstanding teams obviously and and hopefully we have a few more to add to that total for them going back to jackson's game you know i i it was obvious that the crowd kind of knew what was going on that he was approaching that number which i thought it's just really cool how in tune our fans are with what's going on in the program and how supportive they are but you could tell jackson really wanted those points but uh you know he was he wasn't forcing a whole lot he had some open good looks but uh you know it's tough in a in a close game like that because you want to make the right basketball plays but your guys are also probably trying to support him and help him get to that number yeah, and it's it's another th one of those things where I would have loved it if he just didn't even know that he was that close um, at this day and age with technology, and you know you can find those stats pretty easily. And I, I think there was probably some times yesterday where he was pressing a little bit to get some shots up so he could get to it, and um, you know probably took a couple out out of character shots that he doesn't normally take. But uh, you know it is awesome that the crowd knew, and honestly I didn't even realize in the moment. I mean I knew where he was, and I knew he was probably going to get it yesterday. But all of a sudden, they erupted on a random free throw with a couple minutes left. And, and then it kind of hit me what was going on. But, uh, yeah, that's a cool thing. The, the passion our students and our fans have for the program is, is certainly something that sets our program apart. Well, now that, you know, that's kind of behind him now, you guys can, you know, finish off the season strong. And that starts with Dakota Wesleyan up at the Corn Palace, which is never an easy place to go play, as Dylan and Josh know. Uh, but you guys head up there. Uh, DW's had a, a pretty good season so far. Um, you know, obviously they're playing with bigger goals in mind, as are you, and, and we're getting later in the GPAC conference. And so, uh, you know, how what do you expect to, to see from them? What are you telling your guys about the environment they're going to, you know, experience up in the Corn Palace, especially for those younger guys who haven't been in that environment yet? Well, you know, first of all, and, and we had Coach Wilbur on way back the first time we played each other, 
And uh, we talked about a lot of the crazy games we played, and the first one we played was really no different. You know, I think they were up nine with seven, eight minutes to go. We came back, won it real late, and uh, I wouldn't expect this one to be any different either. And, and the Corn Palace, it's a tough place to play. It's a different style of venue, certainly. They have a, a great fan base. It's going to be loud. Their fans are rowdy. Their students are rowdy. And, uh, you know, so we'll work a little bit in practice. It's hard to replicate that, though. Um, you know, and it's you have to have some attention to detail. And, and in the moment, you have to be looking to the bench for instruction, whether it's on a free throw and we're calling a play or whatever it is. Uh, you just have to remember to, to keep playing through some of that stuff. And, you know, I think back to a year ago when, when these guys in here were seniors, we were down 17 with like 12 minutes to go and somehow found a way to come back and win that game. And there's just not a lot of teams that go there and win all that often. And, and you talk about DW as a team. Obviously, I'll reiterate what I said last time. It's a program I have a ton of respect for. You know, they've had a lot of success over the last five, six years. And you look at their record this year, I think they, they're one or two games behind us in the standings, and every loss they have is by two or three points. You know, so they, they've not been blown out. Um, they've had a couple tough luck things happen late in games, and, you know, it goes that way sometimes. But they're, they're a team we're going to have to play at a high level on Wednesday to come out of there with a the win, no doubt. Josh and Dylan, what was it like playing up there? Um, you know, how, how is the Corn Palace environment different than other gyms that you guys played in? Well, I actually never had the opportunity to play at the Corn Palace. Uh, my first three years, I was part of the Granite Squad or, you know, just just out of the rotation. But my last year, I uh, I had a hairline fracture. And so, but just to kind of reiterate what Sfigueira said, you know, it is a tough place to play and just sitting there and listening to what their fans would say and, you know, as you're playing, it's it's tough. So, um, If I were to describe it, it's just different. Um, you have the people that show up for probably this 8 o'clock game. They'll be there from 5 p.m. to, you know, 10 p.m. at night. That, that place is just different. Uh, the lighting throws me off. I don't know about anyone else, but it's, like, darker in there. The there's seats all the way back to the back wall. It's just they bring the, the screen in the middle to the to the floor. It's really weird. But um, it's 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 different. Um, I remember that comeback win that we had in December of 2017. That was uh, a fun way to beat them at the Corn Palace, but it doesn't happen often. So that'll be Wednesday night up at the Corn Palace in Mitchell, South Dakota. And then fast forward to Saturday. Uh, you guys will have Senior Day here at the Newman Flanagan Center. It's not the last home game of the year, but it's the last home Saturday game of the year, correct? It is. That is correct, and it's crazy early for a Senior Day. You know, it's usually in February. It's just the way the schedule fell this year. Um, we wanted to make sure we do that on a Saturday for seniors, parents, and families, and whoever else wants to be here for Senior Day. And it's it's always a great day to honor those guys and. You put four years into a program. I, I sometimes feel like maybe you should get more than one day of recognition for that, but it'll be great to honor our – we have nine seniors, actually, um, when, you, when you count players and three student coaches. You know, so it's going to be a great day and, and hopefully a big crowd. And Midland, you know, they're another one of those teams. Their record in the league is not outstanding, but, you know, we just played them a couple of weeks ago, and, and they led us at halftime. And it wasn't until about 13 minutes left in that game where we kind of – Finally took control and pulled away, and really good offensive team. Have a couple of really good uh, shooters. Have a guard in Bryce Parsons, who's you know one of the better players in the league, and and really hurt us the first time, you know. So we're gonna 
we're going to make a couple adjustments from the last time we played them to defend some of their actions a little differently and try not to let him have 25 in the first half. Um, but, uh, you know, this time of year, you have to be prepared and ready to play every single night because it doesn't matter if you're playing a top 10 team or a bottom 10 team in the country. You, you know, it's going to be a win or a loss, and everything's a little magnified. And, um, and I think the biggest thing this year, this time of year, the teams that continue to get better from this point to the end of the regular season are the teams that have a high attention to detail. They execute really well on both ends of the floor, and they can they can take the scouting reports and, and apply that to a game. You know, And that's something I think our team has gotten better and better at, and I certainly hope we continue to get better at that. And uh, you know, I talk about it a lot. Our big point with our guys since Christmas has been continual improvement. You know, Don't be satisfied with the win. Don't dwell on a loss. Our goal is to continue to get better for however long our season goes. We want to continue to get better. So when it comes down to it, we're playing our best basketball when it really matters. And again, that's senior day. So get down here and support those guys. You know, Bobby Beach Patterson, you are one of the seniors, one of 10 seniors, I believe, who are going to be honored next Saturday. And uh, there's no shame in letting the tears flow for that senior day. Um, but what, what's it going to mean to you? And again, it's, it's a little different because it's not going to be your last home game. But what, what's it going to mean to, to kind of start to approach the end of, you know, your journey as a, as a student and official part of the program, although you'll always be, you know, part of the program? Well, it's actually funny because I'm the only one out of the 10 seniors that has never, like, been a player, a part of the program. I mean, Ethan Erdman and Cody Warner, who are other student coaches, have played on the program for a year or two years. So I'm the only one that hasn't been a player. So it's been kind of um, humbling and just awesome to see our entire class over the last four years, see what those guys have done on and off the floor um, in the classroom and everything and in the community. So that's been awesome to see. Um, it is sad because it's the last uh, sweater of a Saturday uh, in the regular season at the Flanagan Center. So I know coach is going to be upset with that just as I am. But uh, going back to that, you know, it's it's awesome what my class has done so far, and it's just a credit to um, the work ethic and determination they have to continue the success of the of the program. So, are you going to pull out a, a new and exciting sweater vest, or are we going to stick with the basics for, you know, your, for your senior day sweater vest Saturday? I think we're going to stick with the basics. Uh, just the the one that always seems to be the fan favorite. The new one we got this year uh from you coach the one that has the Briarcliff logo on it so i mean obviously that's got to be the one that we use so speaking of seniors uh it was recently announced that jay wolf was put on the bevo francis award top 100 list it's an annual award that recognizes the top college basketball players basically at all non-division one four-year school level so ncaa division two II, division three naia and other uh other four-year leagues uh and so a huge honor for jay to be considered one of the top 100 players in those divisions and i know they'll start paring that list down as as things go but to think about being in that list i mean that that is an incredible honor uh what what does that mean to jay coach what does that mean for for you as a coach to see one of your guys you know be recognized that way just how how was that what was the reaction from the team when when that was announced well i think it's first and foremost it's a well-deserved honor you know jay's had an unbelievable year to date um jay's reaction not much that's just how he is. Um, I think he said, oh, that's cool. But, um, 
you know, Jay, Jay's not one that's going to get excited about individual awards. Jay, as long as he's been here, Jay cares about one thing. He wants to win. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's certainly a part of him that, that thinks it's pretty awesome. He just won't admit it. Um, but, you know, and I know his teammates are happy for him. I, you know, you talk about that, to be listed in the top 100 players out of probably 10,000-plus, that's a pretty big accomplishment. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a cool award. It's been around for a few years. Uh, there's actually a website, smallcollegebasketball.com. The guy who runs that has a couple of yearly awards. And uh, Bevo Francis himself, um, he was actually an NAI player back in the 50s at Rio Grande University and has the NAI record for points in a game with 113. Um, so to, to be mentioned in an award named after somebody like that, pretty big honor for Jay. Yeah, for sure. And like we've talked about before, you know, individual accolades are, are really just like you said, it's it's nice to be recognized, but there are bigger things. But again, it, it goes to show just the quality of athletes that we bring in here. And, you know, the, typically those things can't happen unless there's people around and making them look good, too. So speaking of senior day, there's something I wanted to kind of talk about because there's there's kind of a quirky thing I've noticed about senior day that I want to address um, just in, in today's politically correct age of things. Um, you know, typically for senior day in most sports, what happens is, uh, you know, if parents can make it, they'll, they'll come to the game and then before the game or at halftime of a game, the, the parents will get recognized, the student will walk out and hand the mother flowers. Uh, but the father is never recognized with any sort of gift, like a watch or even like a, a small cactus or, or just something that, you know, recognizes that, hey, dad, you know, you were there for me, too. What's up with that? Do you have any comment on why moms are, are recognized with flowers? And I suppose you could say the flowers are for both, but they're typically almost always handed to the mom. You know, Matt, that's an interesting social commentary. Um, I don't know why that tradition started. We, we, we have a single rose we usually have for our players to give to their mom. And we don't certainly buy watches for the dads. Um, you know, so I, I can't answer your question. That's, I guess it's, uh, it's a tradition that started who knows when and continues on now. I just think it would be a nice touch to give the dads a, like a stopwatch or a, like a pocket watch or, or something like that. Anyway, that's just something I've noticed, and it's not a big deal. But now you're all going to notice it too. So. Um, so let's turn our attention now to our guests because they've been sitting here patiently long enough listening to us talk. And uh, to stay, I guess, on the theme of senior day, uh, like I said, you guys were here. You were part of a very successful group of seniors who, uh, like Coach said, was in a pretty exclusive group of seniors who were able to celebrate 100-plus wins during your career. Uh, what did it mean to play your last game in this gym? You know, those last two games actually were pretty bad for us. They ended up both being losses, you know, our senior day to Dort and then – uh, the first round conference tournament loss to Doan, both were really tough for us. And I know that all of us seniors and the entire team took it really hard. So, you know, end of the day, we don't go on a deep run in the national tournament if it's not for those, or if we don't get those losses. So, so taking the fact that those games were lost, taking that aside, um, just what was, I mean, kind of what went through your head, Dylan, when you realized, you know, you weren't going to play a college basketball game in the Newman Flanagan Center anymore. Um, it was pretty disheartening. Um, I, for four years, I came to every home game, um, whether I was playing or watching or on the bench. But it was very disheartening not being able to play again. And um, everyone always said, like, college, you're going to miss it. Um, college basketball, you're going to miss a ton. Um, it's been a year, 
not even. And I, I would give a lot to go back and play again in Newman Flanagan Center. What would you tell the freshmen now who are, you know, getting towards the end of their, their first year and this next three-plus years is going to fly by, but what would you tell those guys and even the guys that are getting recruited to come in about taking advantage of those four years and every minute it brings? Yeah, it's a very special place. The The culture is um, incredible at the Briarcliff basketball and just Briarcliff in general. Um, they have a good outlook towards basketball, and um, I would tell the guys, freshmen or recruits, that um, – enjoy it and it's it's one of the greatest things that i've ever done was play in the newman flanagan center in front of a bunch of people that care about you you play with teammates um, that you'll you'll never forget so i think i mentioned at the top that you guys brought in some food for us today which has become kind of a nice little theme with some of our best guests so you guys have already vaulted into the top three of bc buckets guests just by bringing what you brought in today and usually what i'll do is allow you to kind of explain the menu here so what is it you brought for us today so the menu we got this food from monja blanca it's just off of like seventh and hamilton and it's a nice little mexican restaurant uh, we had two quesadillas steak quesadillas which i mean is the go-to you can slurp the grease it's incredible uh we had some nachos, which kind of looked pretty sloppy. I didn't try those. And then we gave Sfigura a burrito, and uh, he can add on to how incredible that burrito was and how it changed his life. But Well, life-changing might be a bit of a stretch, but it, I tell you what, these guys have been raving about this place for a while. I know you guys lived uh, right by there, if I'm not mistaken, at least your senior year. Yeah, I've never ventured down to uh, Monja Blanca but uh, after eating the steak burrito, their hot sauce is great, by the way. I think it's definitely up in the conversation of best, best burritos in Sioux City, and that's a, that's a deep crowd, obviously, because you've got Lawas, you've got Jim's Burgers. Um, definitely want to throw this in there, you know, but it, good work, guys. This, uh, you know, your, your fellow class of 2018 or Jared Betts, he brought nothing when he came on the podcast, so you guys vault right ahead of him. Yeah, I'd never heard of Monja Blanca before, but uh, I think that'll have to make the list. It'll be something I try again. And, uh, you know, I don't want to forget about the chains, uh, but Cadoba makes a good burrito too. Absolutely, they do. And, uh, you know, that, that's been a popular place to take our team over breaks. They do a really good job hooking us up with some deals. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I go there almost weekly. So, great place. We'll use them. We'll actually cater them into work. They do catering, so you can uh, bring them in, and they'll come set up a whole spread where you can have different meats and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, don't want to forget about Cadoba for sure, but no shortage of good burritos in town. So you both live down in the Omaha area. Uh, what are your go-tos for Mexican food down there? Um, De Leon's, it's a chain restaurant. It's in Lincoln. It's in Omaha. It's delicious um they have a steak and egg burrito or they have a nebraska burrito it's steak egg and potatoes it's delicious um there's another one that i went to um but but daily owns is my go-to i'd say that my go-to is maria's it's got incredible tacos i mean some of the best i've ever had and then another place that i usually go for lunch during work is called corner kick they have this wet burrito called the messy it's like a pulled pork burrito. It's just mouth-watering. So what are you guys doing for a living now? That's something, you know, we're trying to catch people up on is what our alumni are up to. So, Josh, what are you up to now? So I work at Professional Research Consultants. We work with hospitals, and we handle their survey data. And I am a software developer there, so I handle all of our, like, 
web applications. So we would give a cert an online survey. And so, you know, I handle working with all those questions and actually developing what they would see on the screen when that kind of stuff pops up. So I work at Qit uh, Construction. Uh, I am an analyst change control analyst is my actual title i work with system issues so anytime people have problems with their technology uh, they reach out to me and i um, pass on the information it's it's a different different job didn't know i would get into what i what i'm doing now but i i like it i like qit it's a great company to work for um big company but uh i enjoy my job do you guys still get a chance to play some ball down there we are actually tonight. We have old man's league. Um, we just show up. We have to pay to get in, but but we show up. We we run up and down. We actually got tired last time we played. Um, there are some some geezers out there. They run three point line to three point line, and that's about it. Yep. And uh, but no, it, uh, we we don't play as much as uh, we should probably. But uh, I was in a work league. Played a little bit. Yeah, Dylan's right. We do get really tired when we play, mainly because I've put on like 35 pounds since college. <laughs> I am now. You know, in college I was like 6'8", 180, and now I am 6'8", 220. I'm a beast. You know, Belling, for four years we tried to get you to gain weight, and, and then all of a sudden you do that when you're done. Irritating. So we're going to ask some lightning round questions now which is typical and normally we've asked favorite basketball movie but i'm going to switch that up and just ask what's the last movie you watched and what did you think of it division three football's finest for those of you who don't know what that is it's the greatest movie ever made i just watched it earlier this week um hilarious rick vice um greatest coach of all time um it's a football movie about a division three school um it's hilarious if you haven't seen it uh, the last movie I saw was not as legendary. Uh, I went and saw Aquaman, and for those of you who don't know who that is, it is the worst superhero in all of every universe for superheroes. But the movie was okay. Uh, when you think of Aquaman, you don't think of how they portrayed him in the movie, but I thought it was really good still, end of the day. We were thinking about that question, the greatest basketball movie, and um, personally... Air Bud would, would, would be my basketball movie, so I, I wanted to put that in there. Air Bud's okay, but uh, everybody knows that Jackie Moon and the Flint Tropics has to take the uh, best basketball movie, you know, semi-pro, hands down. So I have a question kind of in a similar line of thinking. Uh, what is the last uh, album or record or artist that you've been listening to? Uh, I'm a big Post Malone fan. Um, went to one of his concerts in Sioux City, and um, I know Coach Figueroa is going to not like my answer, but Post Malone. Um, that thing sold out in like two hours, I think. It went quick. Incredibly fast. Um, I had the pleasure of having friends that stood in the front of the line, so when the doors opened, I ran up there about 15 minutes early, and we got in the third row. So, I think I've discovered like a generational cutoff, because that's a name I, I wasn't even aware of when that concert was announced. Uh, and I, it turns out I had heard some of his stuff, but uh, just wasn't something that was in my rotation. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because it's been a few years back now, but the first time I realized I was significantly older than the guys I was coaching was actually right before these guys got here. It, it would have been the 13-14 season, and I would, I would have turned 30 that year. And uh, our team was really, really young. We didn't have any seniors, so we're talking about our whole team was 18, 19, 20. And so I was, I was 
a good 10 years older than all of them. And that was the first time I realized, like, this music sucks. Um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't watch the same movies. I just I, I am a generation older than them. And um, it's never going to get any closer for me, unfortunately, as I keep getting older. And that's not to judge any of that stuff now. It's just, it's it's amazing. We were just, before we started recording, I think we were talking about the movie Saving Silverman, which uh, anyone who's kind of probably in the 29 to 35 year um, age group uh, remembers as a classic comedy with uh, Jack Black and Jason Biggs and uh, Steve Zahn, just a, a great cast. Neil Diamond was an integral part of that cast. Uh, just a great movie, but you guys hadn't even heard of that movie, so uh, that's that's a little bit of a. This is going to be kind of a tough day. That's a tough pill to swallow. That that's a, a classic at this point. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw you a softball first time. Favorite game or favorite memory playing basketball, at Briarcliff? Playing it had to have been Morningside at home my senior year. It was my greatest game ever played, and I scored zero points. I had six rebounds nine assists and it was it was an incredible game we won by 25 um we took it to them um that that was the greatest game the crowd was rocking that was my favorite game playing and if i remember that game to start that morningside game you probably had the best block of the season that year too so you can't forget about that you actually could jump i actually forgot until you you said that game and i remember that big block you had Bobby, that actually kind of hurts my feelings because I had a really big block at Grandview. Dude was on a fast break, and I pinned him up against the backboard, you know, and he was much more athletic than the other guy that Dylan blocked. And I remember we were driving home from, uh, it was maybe my mom's family's Christmas or something, but we were on I-29 listening to, uh, I think you guys were playing Morningside, probably at their place, and I don't know if you had like a breakaway dunk or something like that, but I just remember That's using that. the word dunk pretty liberally. <laughs> I just remember hearing tomb or whoever was on the call for that game uh just went crazy and and he made it sound like it was just a gym rocking dunk so uh i'll i'll keep that in my memory bank uh so no worries your legacy of having a monster duck at morningside is intact what was the best dunk you guys saw in your time at briarcliff by either one of your teammates or by an opposing player so my freshman year we traveled down to florida and we played we played Talladega and Embry-Riddle, and in the Talladega game, they were ranked number one, I think, in NAI D1, and Matt Berg had this just monster dunk over this dude. I mean, he, yeah, he nearly jumped over him, and dude ended up gliding back 15 feet because, I mean, Berg just demolished this dude, and we stood up for the next, like, 10 possessions because we still weren't on how incredible that dunk was. Um, my, our sophomore year, we were playing in a JUCO tournament, um, in Norfolk, um, and I believe Betts and Nick Lutmer got jammed on in the tournament. It it was incredible. Um, I would rewatch that for sure. So you guys played in some national tournaments, and we know that we've talked about a lot of memories get made on those trips, uh, both down in Branson and now in Sioux Falls, what's your best memory of one of those national tournament trips? So one of the really great memories that I have is uh, every year down in Branson, we would go to this thing called the Dixie Stampede, and uh, Sfigera actually had Jake Bilt uh, convinced that he had to give a speech 
right before this thing started, and I remember Bilt just sweating profusely, and he had cards made out. He was so ready for the speech. Come to find out halfway through that, that he was set up the entire time. Like, he was almost in tears. That's It's great you bring that up because I think Jake mentioned that when he was on, but it's good to hear a perspective of someone else who was there because he played it off that, you know, okay, you got me, that sort of thing. But it sounds like he was, he was actually sweating bullets about this thing. Yes, I, I can't speak to that one, but we, it was like an ongoing thing. So when we went um, my our junior year, we had Jackson uh, Lamb convinced that he was going to have to give the speech. So it's it's like a rodeo arena, and there's like every team there, and we had him convinced. And it, it he was he was very nervous, and he was panicking. It was, it was hilarious. We kind of inadvertently killed that if it ever ends up back in Branson somehow. Uh, we can't do that anymore. So the squad will have to figure out some other way to, to haze their freshmen. Or their student coaches. So I actually have a question for Josh and Dylan. Uh, between Coach Nelson and Coach Figueroa, who gives the better butt chewing and is the most intimidating? So this actually might come as a surprise to some people, but I would say that Coach Nelson actually gives a worse butt chewing, I guess I would call it. Uh, and the reason for that is that when Figuera gives or starts chewing your butt, he gives like no eye contact. He's completely looking away. But when Nelson did it, he's staring you square in the eyes, letting you really know how he felt. So I'm going to have to disagree. I think Coach Figuera um, – gives the worst butt chewing just because you're going to hear about it and it's it's going to be loud i just felt like he was more intimidating just a bigger bigger presence right in front of you and um probably the scarier of the two yeah and actually i, I know why you answered that mark's staring dylan down right now <laughs> so i don't blame you blink if blink if you're scared so all right well we appreciate you guys stopping in and, and we're going to get you included here in our shout out section here in just a minute but uh you know we always wrap things up with listener questions and our shout outs so we're going to start with a listener question and bobby you know we've been normally letting you read these off but i'm going to read this one because this comes from someone very special to you and someone who's very near and dear to your heart and that is courtney schaefer who is a current briarcliff student and volleyball player and she asks so when is the BC Buckets Wives Tell All edition going to occur? The public wants to hear from Mrs. Schultz, Mrs. Shipley, and Mrs. Figuera. I don't know that we've talked about doing that, but that might make for a pretty good episode. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, it could. Um, you know, she brought this idea up to Bobby, and he was afraid to bring it up to you and I. I actually think it's a great idea. Courtney stopped by the office earlier in the week to talk about it. And actually, I, I have had at least once a conversation with my wife about coming on. And uh, I don't know if she will or not, but it's something worth looking into. Now we're going to go into our shout-out portion of the podcast, and we're going to start with Coach Figuera. Yeah, my shout-out this week is uh, it was Alumni and Hall of Fame weekend at Briarcliff, and, and one of our alums went into the Briarcliff Athletic Hall of Fame, Jim Kriege, a 1973 alum, one of the first really outstanding players in program history and, and one, of, one of the last outstanding players pre Panamanian pipeline and, and kind of all those things happening. And unfortunately, he couldn't be here yesterday. Coach Schultz actually got up and gave a talk about him, and, and we had somebody else here to accept his plaque for the Hall of Fame. You know, so shout out to him and really shout out to all of our alums. And I, I talked about it earlier with you talk about a thousand wins in program history. There's so many people that have, have been a part of that. And so shout out to anybody and everybody who's been a part of our program over the past 53 years. I'm going to give a shout out, and this is going to include a little bit of a rant, but uh, I'm going to take you back to the year 2006, and 
Uh, Briarcliff set a school record in the outdoor women's sprint medley with a team consisting of uh, Katie Waymeyer, Mallory Milburn, Sam Gary, and Heidi Booman. And uh, that record still is intact today. I don't know if the sprint medley is still a thing or not for outdoor track, uh, but Mallory Milburn went on to do several great things in her life, most importantly, marrying yours truly, and her name's Mallory Gall now. But she's in the Briarcliff track record books in an event which I believe has been completely retired, and so she will be in the record books for the rest of history. Uh, and she's still waiting for that call to, to be called on the court for Hall of Fame Day. And so... You know, 2020 is, is a, obviously an election year, and you hear about uh, people already putting their names in the ring for 2020 for presidential elections and other things like that. I'm officially today um, announcing that I am going to start a campaign for the 2006 Sprint Medley team at Briarcliff University to be inducted together into the Hall of Fame. I think Heidi Booman, the anchor for that relay squad, is already in. Uh, but I think Mallory, Sam, and Katie need to be recognized as well. So anyone listening to this, uh, make a call to Athletic Director Nick Nelson. Start making that push. And we are going to push for the 2020 Briarcliff Hall of Fame class to include that 2006 Sprint Medley team. So shout out to my wife and the other ladies on that team who will live forever in the record books at Briarcliff University. But no, I want to give a shout out to, you said yesterday was Alumni Day. I want to give a shout out to two Briarcliff alum, uh, Matt and Joe Holmes. Uh, they run the college ministry at Sunnybrook Community Church, and there's a few of us on the basketball team a part of that. And they do a lot not only for us as uh, college students, but uh, for the church in general. So I want to give a shout-out to uh, uh, Briarcliff alum, uh, two of them, Matt and Joe Holmes, for uh, all the work they do. I want to give a shout-out to the only 2018 basketball member that hasn't been on the podcast, Blake Wilchin. Um, I we, we hit him up uh, to come to the game at the Doan game, and – he turned us down. He had other bigger plans. Um, but Probably needed to wake up. Yeah, I would agree. He needed to wake up. Um, but shout out to Blake. Haven't seen you in a while, buddy. Miss you. Get on the podcast. I'd like to give a shout out to my fiance, Taylor Brockhouse. Uh, I joined a long line of Briarcliff basketball players who outkicked their coverage, as Sfigura would say. Uh, you know, anybody who sees her and looks at me, you would never think that we should be together because she is much more better looking than I am and she is a foot and a half shorter than me. But, you know, she knows how much I appreciate everything that she does for me and for, you know, my family and my time here at Briarcliff, you know, being a distance relationship. And end of the day, I couldn't be happier. Hey, so one last thing before we go this week, Matt. Um, I think there's a discussion that Josh and I need to have, actually. Um, he had a pretty long run in his career of – getting in trouble so to speak at restaurants when we were eating as a team and I've got a pretty quick trigger with our guys about some rules we have in restaurants you know take your hood off take your hat off don't be on your phone don't act like an idiot don't wander around aimlessly and walk into random people and, and block them from walking down the line that's the Nick Lutmer rule as we call it um, but Josh you know he kind of had some phone issues but uh, what really set me off was when Josh was a sophomore we had just played a game at William Penn Huge game. Both of us ranked top five preseason, and, and we we beat them really good. 38, 40 points, something like that. Huge win to start the year. Guys were all amped up. So uh, from there, we were going to go up to Des Moines and play the next day. Stopped on our way out of town at a Wendy's to pick up some food, get on the road, and get up to Des Moines. And uh, that's, this is where Josh kind of started down the wrong path. Um, in, the, in the week leading up to that, Jordan Isma 
had just had ACL surgery. Had torn his ACL in, in October, missed that whole year, had just had surgery. So he's on crutches, big brace on his knee, the whole nine yards. And the guys get off the bus, and, and I was one of the first ones in, and Jordan was a couple people behind me. Here comes Josh on a mission to get to the front of the line. Basically, hip checks Jordan Eisman on crutches out of his way so he can go up to be first in line, which then turned into Belling getting a pretty good butt-chewing in Wendy's and uh, being banished to the back of the line for the whole year, I think, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, that was an over-exaggerated story, though. I never once touched Jordan Eisma in that line. I was very skinny, very nimble, quick. Not quick, but uh, I clearly dodged Jordan as I was maneuvering through that line. I, I knew that he had been, that he was hurt. You know, I saw his crutches and everything. I was very quickly moving past him and maybe Sfigera thought that I nudged him, but I never did. But I do understand getting kicked to the back of the line because that was foolish. But at this point, for the next three years after that, I was on a very short leash. And if I even breathed the wrong way, I was automatically thrown to the back of the line, which actually happened one time. I think your actual thought process might have been something like this. This is speculation now. Everything else I said was true. This is speculation. I think you thought, you know, Josh was never – probably the most physically imposing player. Jordan Eisma was. And Jordan, being vulnerable on crutches after ACL surgery, this is the one time Josh could win that physical battle. So he'd box him out because he wouldn't be able to do it when Jordan was healthy again. So he boxed him out of the Wendy's line so he could get his, uh, his frosty first. Well, and, and at best, Josh, the way I'm reading this, is even if you didn't hip check uh, someone who was on crutches right after surgery, you still cut in line in front of somebody who needed the nourishment to allow their body to heal the way it needed to heal. So at best, you're just a line cutter, right? Are you at least willing to admit that today? So <laughs> I, I'll say that I am a line cutter, but I am also a firm believer that free food is the best food. It tastes the best. And so I was just trying yeah, to get Josh, my free food. For four years, there wasn't one time where you didn't get fed after a game. So, like, I, I don't know why you were in such a hurry. You were going to get your meal regardless. You threatened it, though, all the time. Threatened it. Next week on As the Ball Turns. <laughs> well, guys, thanks for coming on this week. Uh, it was great to have you on. Like you said, I think uh, Blake Wilchin's the last member of your senior class to, to not be on the podcast here. So maybe we'll have to get that going if he's willing. Good luck. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Uh, but it's great to have you on here, and glad you listened to this. Glad you make it up to the games, and uh, hopefully we see you around at a few more the rest of this year. So, uh, on behalf of everyone else who's here, thanks for listening. Make sure you hit us up on Twitter or send us an email with any listener questions. We're at, at BC Buckets Cast on Twitter or BC Buckets Podcast at gmail.com. So, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Again, Senior Day next Saturday against Midland.